I was completely blown away by this movie. It was the first Star Wars film since the original trilogy that hit on all the right notes. There wasn't too much CGI, but just enough to enhance what was already there. There were lots of practical effects. I love how the production team went back to make sure that all the technology used in the movie looked like it came from the same time period as the original trilogy. We get a plucky group of misfits. They don't spend a lot of time laying out exposition. We're in the thick of it right from the first scene. We get to know director Krennic, and we're exposed to a bit of the internal politicking within the ranks of the Empire. Darth Vader is back, and he's imposing and menacing as ever. We meet Cassian Andor, who ruthlessly kills someone who is slowing him down and could have led to his capture. We learn that the rebellion is not all good. However, the scene wasn't entirely out of place because it's a secret rebellion and it needs to be kept secret at all costs. Watching it again, I can see how this movie is basically well-packaged fan service. On the other hand, it is a concise and straightforward Star Wars story that hits on all the right notes. You're dang right. You're dang right it does. Okay, I'm curious. I'm curious what you think of Cassian Andor as a, as a character. Like overall, like when I found out he was getting his own series, I thought, this guy? Like it was kind of like an Arrested Development whenever they talk about Anne and they're like, her? I'm just like, him? That guy? I had to like look up the name to remember who he was kind of thing. Oh, like I'm, I had to look up Cassie and Andor to be like, who's that guy? Why is he getting his own show? Oh, it was the Hispanic guy from Rogue One. <laughs> right, right. You know, I... Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. And I think most people did kind of being like, really? Like, why does he get his own show? Like, what makes him special? My best guess is that he was a delight to work with. That's like, they, I bet they, you know, like they probably just loved working with him at Lucasfilm Mm -hmm. and said, you know what? Uh, Let's, let's do something with this. Because they've, you know, any, any character um, you could give enough character development to give them their own TV show, right? Because everybody's got their own story that you can tell for them. And I think he had just enough of, oh, there's some character development here. He's obviously a very complex person. But then also, yeah, if if the guy himself, like if Diego Luna was just like a really great person to work with, then, I mean, then yeah, that that gives him a bunch of points too. That's that's my guess as to why he of all people is getting his own spin-off. I think the other thing is that he's got like the character of Cassian Andor where he's like working as a spy kind of thing. He's it gives this espionage slant to Star Wars that we've never seen before. And I like I remember watching Rogue One and when he kills that guy with the limp because he's like this guy's going to slow me down and I'm going to get caught and then all the secrets of the rebellion will be revealed. I'm like, oh, this is like some real James Bond stuff. Like that was real cold blooded. Yeah, he's like willing to do the job, whatever whatever it takes. Yeah, I I really really liked him as a character. Actually, um, it was something different in Star Wars, and it also gave a little bit more reality to the war because really, where else we saw the rebellion was in the original trilogy. But you don't get that same kind of dark, it's gritty sense from the original trilogy, right? Like, they're the, they're the heroes, right? Period. Full stop. They're not doing anything evil. All they did was blow up a giant faceless 
ball in the sky, right? But Cassian is killing people who are helping them for the mission. Krennic gives the flip side of that where it's like the Empire is all evil, but you don't see like, how how can I say this? It's like in Nazi Germany, you had Hitler who's like this madman, right? But he's just like spouting off crazy ideas about killing Jews. He's never actually becoming the architect of anything. And that he's just got all these underlings who are trying to take his his psychotic uh, rants and put it on paper and make something happen with it. And so that's kind of what I get with Director Krennic is that it's like the boots on the ground lackeys of the Empire who are trying to carve out a name for themselves and implement the evil plans of the Emperor and get their own share of credit and fame and bring order and peace to the... Like, he also believes in the the mythology... The, not the mythology, but he believes in the propaganda, right? This weapon will bring peace and order to the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, like he's drinking the Kool-Aid. And, yeah, I thought Ben Mendelsohn did a really great job as director Krennic, too. Like, he he really cared about the project and he had a lot of ambition, which, of course, is where mm-hmm. we get the be careful not to choke on your aspirations. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, uh, he also, like, great. he played the same character in The Dark Knight Rises, right? A and, very highly and, ambitious uh, And middle in man. Ready Player One. Oh, really? Well, I didn't he see wasn't, Ready Player One. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't a middleman in Ready Player One. He was, he was the... He was like a competitor to the video game or he bought the video something. But he was like, again, the bad guy who had nothing really to stand on on his own. But he was, you know, very ambitious and took credit for a lot of things. And yeah, well, just kind of his ambition was his downfall in everything, apparently. Uh, so good for right. Ben Mendelsohn. Um <laughs> He like he plays that character well, like the real kind of weaselly, highly ambitious mm-hmm. guy with no backbone. Yep, wants to be on the top but doesn't want to do the work to get there. Kind of person, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Except when he gets to the top, he'll tell you that he did all the work to get there. Kind of person to get there. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I really liked him as well. I also something you brought up in your essay was the politics of of the empire and how we see that they talk about the senate they talk and even in the rebellion they talk about the senate right because it's still the senate still exists because this is before this is before episode four where they say you know the senate has been done away with right dissolved yeah yeah and so that still exists and that's still tying the rebellion and the empire together and uh and so i thought that was really interesting something about politics and star wars has always been like a complicated relationship because in the in the prequels you get all of these politics right yeah. all yeah. of these big meetings and stuff but then in the original trilogy there was like just enough to tell you like there's a bit bigger of a world out there and then, it, but then people complained about all the politics in the prequels. So then in the sequels, they were like, no, we're not going to explain any of the politics. And because of that, 
nothing makes sense in the sequel trilogy. And I think Rogue One did it right where it was kind of part of the conversation that was mentioned and you kind of saw some of those interactions, but it wasn't like you didn't go to the council meetings. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And that's where, yeah, that's definitely where the prequels fell down. And it's even where, I mean, the Clone Wars cartoon starts to fall apart is I'm just getting into some episodes where they are sitting in Senate meetings and doing Senate stuff. And I'm like, hey, let's bring back what everybody hated about the prequels and <laughs> shove it in this cartoon. Yeah, you're loving you're loving the Clone Wars, aren't you? Um, <laughs> it, it, this is our second yeah. last episode of this podcast. And so if you want to go and check out our other podcast, I Promise the Clone Wars is Awesome, where I try to convince Andrew that the Clone Wars is awesome. Uh, we're getting there. I think we're getting there. We're going to get there. By the end of it, hopefully. Um, but if you want to follow along on that journey and watch that along with us, you can go wherever you get your podcasts. I promise the Clone Wars is awesome. Or it'll be linked in the show notes as well. That was our uh, our plug so that we can move our massive audience over to our new show. Yeah, our inadvertent advertising. So, I mean, there's Krennic, there's Andor. I mean, do you want to get into Jin Erso? Yeah. What were your thoughts on Jin Erso? I... I thought I I, th- I think everybody acted well in this, but I didn't really buy uh, Jin's character arc. Like I don't know, she seemed really flip floppy, I guess. And I appreciate the love she has for her father suddenly turning her over to the rebellion and her being like, "Okay, I'm going to do this to honor his memory." I kind of get that, but I don't know. I wasn't overly sold on her what did you think i'd say like similar one thing i liked was you know how she kind of has like prominent front teeth mm-hmm. and the actress they got to play her as a little girl also had prominent front teeth they did a great job doing lookalikes like i yeah. i would believe that felicity yeah. jones was the daughter of uh who played uh who played her parents mads mickelson in the yeah yeah the woman. yeah Mads, Mads Mikkelsen right, is her dad. Right. I, yeah. would, I would believe that she was um, their child. Like, I could see that. Right. I think, like, one thing I'd say is that she's not integral to the success of the mission. Kind of like an Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark kind of situation. Well, it's, uh, well, what do you mean by that? I just mean, it's like they're trying to persuade her to get involved when really it's like they could just put another body in that suit and achieve the same thing. She doesn't have a special power. She doesn't have a special ability. It's like, yeah, it's her dad, but he, she knew the password. She knew his stardust. She knew the code word, but that's only like at the very end when they need her to do it, but nobody's asking right. her to come along on the mission because her nickname was stardust. And that's what he would, would nickname, <laughs> give the password. The whole, as, right? the whole rest of the thing. I mean, all she was good for was information. Yeah. Yes. And right. so it's like, why does she need to be here? That's the thing that I didn't buy the whole time. So it's like, it's interesting. Which I she, can they, see. They bring her along, but she doesn't have anything special that contributes above any of the other characters or any other normal person. Like in the original trilogy, it's all about Luke. Why Luke? Because Luke was Anakin's son and he's got the force and the Jedi order has fallen so he's the only force user. Mm-hmm. So we need Luke because he's got the force, right? 
And in the prequel trilogy, Anakin's a chosen one. And then in the sequel tri- trilogy, well, they run into the same problem. Who gives an F about Rey? Right, right. And why should we care about Rey? Like, that's the question you're asking basically until halfway through through the third movie, is why should we care about this overly optimistic person who never suffers the consequences of her excessive optimism? I I would... I think Jin is a way better character than Rey. Because... Well, any character is a better character. <laughs> but Jin, than Jin has there's this one. There's this one quote I heard. This is like this is how I characterize Ray, right? So I'm a I'm an accountant by trade. So we're pretty when it when you when you have a business meeting, it's accounting and finance where they're like they tend to be a little bit more practical and down to earth, and and salespeople tend to take it as ne- re- reality is negativity, right? And and I had one quote from a accounting prof. He said. Salespeople will ride optimism to bankruptcy. They will ride the waves of optimism to bankruptcy, right? And that is like Ray. <laughs> she will yeah. ride the waves of optimism right. to her own destruction. The problem is, is that they never show the consequences of her excessive optimism and naivety. It's like she's rewarded for being naive. Right, right. Also, just just a heads up for for people listening it's like pouring rain outside right now which is really great because we've had a super dry year but just just so people know what the noise all the noises in my audio is um yeah no i i don't know i i do think ray's overly optimistic and not well done she just kind of happened upon the saying but i think i i think Jin was done a lot better there were things that she did. Mm-hmm. There were things that happened to her. I think that's the difference, is that Jin Jin's an mm-hmm. active participant, right? She she gets kind yeah. of yeah. dragged into it in the beginning because of who her parents were, and then she gets kicked out at some point, goes off on her own, gets dragged back in it accidentally, and then once she mm-hmm. realizes who her father really is and what he really is doing, then she decides to get further involved and actually take action and, and go and do it. That's, that's why I appreciate her as a character. I actually really appreciate all of the characters in this. They all have their own clear motivations. And I think they do a pretty good job of identifying Mm -hmm. those in the film. Like, I don't, I don't feel like any of the main characters, you're kind of like, why are you here? Like they're all very clearly motivated by something. Okay, how about Chirrut Imwe and uh, his Hawaiian friend? Machine Gun Hawaiian. <laughs> I loved them. <laughs> I loved them really? so much. So much. Yeah, uh, Chirrut and Baze. Yeah, they... Well, I mean, I've got like a huge, huge crush on Donnie Yen. Um, like, he's awesome. But yeah, they... I thought they were fantastic. I liked the way that they helped out and then they kind of got dragged into it. I like the way that Chirrut is like the hopeful friend, like it's going to be okay. We're going to succeed. Trust in the Mm -hmm. force. And Baze is the opposite. He's like kind of jaded, cynical. He's frustrated because why, why would the force care about (laughs) us if it let the Jedi fall and all of this stuff? And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to forget being a guardian of the wills or whatever they call themselves. And I'm going to get a huge machine gun <laughs> blaster 
and and kind of go this different way. But I'm still going to hang out with my religious buddy over here. I like that. So I think like Jarrett, I just found him like a little campy and a bit annoying. But at the same time, he's it's like these other things like Cassie and Andor killing somebody. It's weird and it's out of like it's it's you're not used to seeing this for in Star Wars. But at the same time, it's like, well, this actually fits in the context of what's going on. So this idea of like some kind of aspiring force user who's not quite strong enough to be a Jedi clinging to the rags of the old Republic hanging around as a broken man, like it fits. So as much as I was annoyed by him, I was like, I can't get away from the fact that he fits. He belongs here. Yeah. I really liked them. And you know what? I, I also liked, um, Bodhi, uh, the pilot, right? Um, he was like the whole time he was trying to atone for his sins. I thought the whole, like he loses his mind and then he gets it back completely thing. I don't know. I, I wasn't fully on board with that, but I thought he did a great job. And, uh, I, it was, Oh, what's the actor's name? Cause he was in the sound of metal. I think that's what the movie's called. Sound of metal. Have you seen that? Have you seen the sound of metal? No. So, this is a diversion, but um, he, or a digression, not diversion. Um, he, the guy, he he plays in like a metal band. He's a drummer and then he goes deaf. And, right. um Oh, okay. Yeah, like there's this whole thing about the deaf experience. It's a really cool film, especially from the standpoint of, of sound, sound design. Uh, really well done. Uh, but it's Rizal... Rizamed uh, is is who it is. Oh, okay. Um, right. Who plays Bodhi, and he did a great job. Um, but yeah, I didn't fully buy the whole like he loses his mind and then he gets it back part. Uh, but I liked his motivations of like he's trying to atone for something. Like he's kind of he feels like he did something wrong, and now he's trying to make up for that. Um, and I I thought it was funny how. I don't know. I feel like he was a little bit manipulated by Galen Erso. Like Galen said, Galen said that I could make it right. You know, it's like somebody showing up on your door and be like, you, you need to repent for all the awful things. That's kind of how I envision it going down. But uh, obviously, I don't think that's how it actually happened. But that's like, oh, I can make it right. I can make it right. And then he becomes like a fanatic for the rebellion. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I thought he did a great job. I thought it turned out really well as well i mean how about uh let's let's get into saw guerrera mm-hmm. do you want i can kick this one off saw guerrera appeared in the clone wars cartoons mm-hmm. initially and they added him in here and i get really bugged when they overlap the live action movies with the kids shows mm-hmm. but they introduced him in such a way that you're like oh it's just saw guerrera he's this right uh, extremist, you know, guy who's too intense for the rebellion to handle. That's all I need to know about him. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, who cares that he, they didn't make reveal him in a way where you're like, I feel like I should know who this guy is. Right. It's, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a cameo on a sitcom where they walk in, the audience mm-hmm. cheers and you're like that, that's somebody mm-hmm. important. Like there's some, something about him. There's some inside joke, Right. It was very much mm-hmm. just like, oh, this is another character in the movie. And that's why I think this can be enjoyed on its own. 
Like this movie, I, I think Star Wars has a problem. I think lots of cinematic universes have problems where you rely on the other material. But I, I think Rogue One does a good job of not forcing that. Like, I feel like this could be the only Star Wars movie you ever watch. And you could be like, that was good. I liked it. Yeah. Like, that's it, exactly it, is that this movie is nothing special. But I think what ends up being special about it is that it's just, of the last 20 years of frustrating Star Wars movies, this is the one where you're like, this is just like a by-the-books action movie, and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> because I've just been waiting for something to just be by straight by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been such a disappointment. I haven't seen, like, a by-the-numbers kind of impressive movie. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the... Uh, the the tie fighter on, at the antenna and scarif in the trailer and then not being in the movie oh yeah that was it, it's it's like when you watch the trailer you get like oh that's gonna be so cool like i can't wait to see that and then when it's not there you're like did i like imagine this like did we have a collective hallucination right um yeah that was weird but also i the movie turned out great anyways there was a ton of stuff that was in the movie that was not in the trailer and vice versa and so like i'm okay with that do you know why it was cut um because they had to do a bunch of reshoots like they basically had to reshoot the whole end oh okay uh from what i understand they like had to reshoot all of the scarif stuff and uh yeah, and so they just changed that. And they also changed um they changed Saw. So Saw Guerrera, um I forget the actor's name, but For Forrest um, Whitaker. He Forrest Whitaker, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So in the trailers, he's bald. Like if I'm oh, remembering okay. right, he's bald in the trailers and in the movie he's got this crazy hair. And uh and it's cuz they reshot it. And so there was a ton of reshoots on this. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's I'm pretty sure that's the only reason is that they reshot it. In reshooting it, they changed the story a little bit. The tie so I'm reading an article about the tie fighter scene. Apparently Gareth Edwards admitted in an interview with EW that they knew it wouldn't be in the film. The marketing team just loved the scene. Oh, really? <laughs> and so marketing made them shove it into the trailer. Marketing was like, they're like yeah, we've got this scene. So Marketing's cool. like, we love it. And they're like, but we're going to cut it. We're not going to use it, though. And they're like, no, just shove it in. It looks so cool. That is so, so funny. That's the, I guess that's the truth. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. That's really interesting Sorry, how that happens. Eh? I actually didn't know that... Yeah, I wasn't trying to set you up when I asked you that yeah, question. No. I honestly didn't know, and then I looked it up while you were talking. So, um, how about here? How about some favorite scenes from the? Or do you want to talk to about K two S O to kind of round up our conversation on the characters? On characters before we talk about scenes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love Alan Tudyk. Like everything he does, yeah. everything he says, I think he's hilarious. I really yeah. I loved k2so and i i like i like the droids being the comic relief in star wars like that's fun for me and yeah. uh yeah i just thought he was hilarious i like zero zero issues with the sassy imperial droid my favorite part with okay two things that are my favorite parts it's when the the stormtroopers are like get his diagnostics checked checked and he's like diagnostics i can run my own diagnostics 
And then when when Jin shoots another droid that looks like yeah. him, and he's like, "You knew that wasn't me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and so I think funny. that was something I really loved about because Star Wars has always needed some comedy to break the tension, mm-hmm. so that we remember the movies are all fun. Because if you le- if you start taking the the comedic parts out of it too much, you get so bogged down mm-hmm. by basically being in a soap opera right yeah oh yeah a a soap opera and then this movie would just be depressing like war film yeah yeah so i mean the yeah having alan tudyk in there k2so like his lines his delivery it was all so good Mm -hmm. yeah everything about Um, it yeah um i do have a couple other things on character if we're done with alan Oh yeah, yeah. Go on with yeah. our with our boy Alan, our friend Alan Tudyk. <laughs> um, yeah, Kate. the The last thing I want to mention about characters is recasting people. Like, just recast people instead of doing this freaky mask. Oh yeah, thing yeah. That that they did with with Tarkin. Yeah. In the theater, I watched it. and I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, it's not quite there. Like, it looks really good, but it kind of feels more video gamey than film Mm -hmm. and i just think they could have if they didn't want to recast him they could have just done him from behind yeah right they could have had him from behind that would have been great yeah instead of having him turn around and it would have made him more menacing yeah too yeah right um but yeah same thing with leia at the um, end like i have the same issue with uh leia at the end um uh, Luke in the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. just recast him. Just like put a new actor in there. Give them an opportunity to play this role. Um, and also Darth Vader. What's his face? What's his name? Why do I forget his name? James Earl Jones. Yeah. He's getting old. Yeah. And his voice <laughs> sounds old. Yeah. Very old. It was like, oh, so Darth Vader is a thousand years old yeah. in this scene. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> there are a ton of people who can do great Darth Vader impressions. Yeah. Hire one of them. Yeah. But I think like the fan backlash, if they had not used James Earl Jones and James Earl Jones was alive to do it, the fan backlash would have been so intense. And I do, I do think we're going to talk more about recasting in our next episode when we talk about Solo. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, guys, it's it's okay to recast. Like it's, it's totally okay to recast. They do it with Shakespeare plays all the time. Could you imagine if they still had the original actors? If they just used their likenesses? Oh, you know, I think, like, I, like, like I, come on. I think for this one, like they were, they just went extremely safe in this movie. Everything about this movie's safe. Yeah. Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So scenes. I love the Iraq slash Jeddah rebel fight. On the, like, the boots on the ground. Yeah, the one when Cassian's like, this place is a powder keg about to blow. Oh. And it's like, oh my gosh, this could be oh, right. a scene from Jarhead or Black Hawk Down or any other movie about Americans in a uh, a foreign country with Muslim extremists. <laughs> like, oh, I love, like, I love the whole feel of it in that they, yeah, brought a contemporary, a war that was contemporary for us into the imagery of this movie i like Mm -hmm. i loved it yeah and that was totally intentional too and 
how there's like the bad guys, the good guys, all of this is in air quotes, the bad guys, the good guys, the innocent guys, the, you know, this, 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 any label you want to put on people. There's like everyone kind of in this square Mm -hmm. um, having the going on in this fight. And then I loved seeing the Death Star like destroy it. Because when we saw the Death Star destroy Alderaan, Mm -hmm. it was like from the sky, like, oh, wow, there's the, yeah, there's the planet, right? Same thing uh, in The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you blew up the Republic planets, apparently, that we never set foot on and we never knew anything about. Mm -hmm. And then on Jeddah, You've got Jin Erso. She goes and very intentionally saves this little kid. Mm-hmm. And then the planet like blows up anyways. And you see it blowing up. You see like yeah. the rubble coming up and you see them escaping. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I that was amazing. That, and it looked it looked amazing. They did that yes. That's something that I'd say was that I loved was every scene with the Death Star, it brought it more down to earth. Like the Death Star mm-hmm. casting shadows yeah. on... There's one scene where you see a Star Destroyer kind of moving out of the shadows, and then you realize the shadow is the mm-hmm. Death Star. You see the finishing touches of them installing yeah. the gun. I think there's even a scene where you see the Death Star yeah. upside down with the gun pointing at the bottom, right? Yeah. And you, So yeah. you just see the Death Star in all these other ways, and it just brings it way more down to Earth, makes it feel so much more real. I love seeing the Star Destroyers emerging from light speed and they crash into ships and it's just like oh you know like it makes the whole light speed warp travel down to earth more right because those are things you'd be asking you're like wow how do they always come out of light speed in just the right place where they never hit anything right right and they and then it's like in this one it's like they don't (laughs) they do such a good job everything they do it looks amazing the only cg that doesn't look amazing is the faces everything else all the other effects, flawless. Like they're, it all looks so, so real. And uh, yeah, it's really immersive. And it it feels so textured, right? Whereas I think in the sequel trilogy, it felt so like, wow, look at these bright lights. Like, look what we're throwing at you. Isn't this exciting? Aren't you having fun? Aren't you loving these new Star yeah. Wars movies we're making for you? Love me, love me, give me your money. And then, but then like this, it's like, it's like, yeah. oh, this is just like real. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is a film, right? Um, and, it, and it captured like the grittiness of the original trilogy but it had like the amazing effects of mm-hmm. the the sequels. And I'm surprised I'm surprised because Gareth Edwards was like a relatively new director and he knocked this one out of the park. Yeah, what else has he done? He did Godzilla. Oh, really? And he did one called Monsters. Yeah. He did this one called Monsters which I don't it was a British sci-fi horror movie. Um, but then he, they gave him Godzilla and he did well with that one. Like, I'm just surprised because it's like so hit or miss when they take these no name directors and give them fat budgets and big franchises. Mm -hmm. Usually they blow it. AKA, uh, Ryan Johnson. Mm -hmm. Um, also Mark Webb, when he redid the star Wars movies, like he'd done music videos up until that point. Huh? I think, do you know what though? I, I, I still think, I still think that, uh, what's his bucket that Ryan Johnson 
could have done a great job if he also just had yeah. a standalone Star Wars film. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's the problem. I think that's the biggest problem is is that they, they gave these directors, like, uh, this thing that had to fit into this certain place instead of letting it be something else, right? And and I think that's why I think that's why Rogue One was so great because Gareth Edwards got to make this movie. It, it didn't have to like the difference. Even though this butts right up against A New Hope, it is its own piece, right? You can still watch it on its own. You can't watch The Last Jedi on its own, right? That's the difference. The Darth Vader comeback scene. I think that was just, that was like in that X-Men movie when they brought back Wolverine for a cameo, just when he's like Weapon X still. Right. And he and, and it's just a scene of him cutting people up. Yeah. And then he jumps down a dam or whatever. Yeah. And runs away. And it was just like, oh, it was just so awesome to see Wolverine going, going to town on people. Right? Yeah. And that was the same thing I thought with this Darth Vader is it's like, yeah. This Darth Vader, this is the Darth Vader everybody's been wanting to see. Like, Darth Vader really in action. Right, with power. Yeah, and they didn't overdo it. Like, we're not going back to the prequel backflipping Jedi fighting. It's still consistent with how Darth Vader is portrayed in the original trilogy, where he's still like this imposing, physically imposing, kind of lumbering, slow movements, uh, but extremely powerful and just killing people yeah yeah i thought that was awesome yeah i i think it was it gave the tail end like higher stakes um we already like yeah i think yeah that was that that scene comes after the death scene right where they all blow up where scarif is blown up right yeah yeah so i think i think that scene kind of gave it this final like this is serious you know we are on the tail end you know, mm-hmm. we've almost lost these. You really get the sense of how barely they they made it out. They got away. Yeah. And I think bringing in Darth Vader to do that was right. Otherwise, you would have ended with planet being destroyed. They have the plans, you know, blast off. We're, we're gone. But this gave it kind of the last, like, okay, it's there. It's there. It's there. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic. When I first heard about this movie, I groaned like everyone else. A feature-length film to fill a plot hole? Really? But, I mean, they delivered. Despite production delays and reshoots, Rogue One turned out to be one of the best Star Wars films ever made. Sure, it's a fetch quest, and you already know how it ends, but it was awesome. You know they get the plans, but you're in it because you care about the characters' motivations. Bodhi the pilot wants to make things right. Cassian Andor has been there in the fight forever. Jin Erso joins in to honor her father's legacy, despite her initial reluctance. Galen Erso doesn't want to be the merchant of death. And Baze and Chirrut have a duty to the Force. You feel for them when they fail. When Jin doesn't grab the transmission as they rush away from the destroyed Jetta, or when Andor doesn't take the shot, but other rebel bombers do. And you are delighted when they succeed. By the skin of their teeth, sure, but they did it. Easily one of my favorite Star Wars films. 